Remember the dawn of the pandemic, when our lives were filled with nonstop fear and uncertainty? But amidst all the terror and loss, many of us might remember the joy that came from the little web show, Some Good News, produced by John Krasinski. We know it's rough out there, but we could all use some good news of our own from time to time. And that's why the GLG is looking to connect with our listenership by passing the mic to members of our PLN who, even now, are finding ongoing joy in their work. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Grounded Learners Guild, the podcast that gets real about education, authentic leadership, and the transcendent power of being a part of a highly functioning team. Here are your hosts, Casey Veach, Emily Coakland, and me, Jenny Labrie. In his book, The Happiness Advantage, author Sean Acor shares that constantly scanning the world for the negative comes with a great cost. It undercuts our creativity, raises our stress levels, and lowers our motivation and ability to accomplish our goals. Right now, even if we aren't scanning for it, negativity can feel like it surrounds us like a constantly shifting storm. And continually trying to sail through that storm while attempting to provide support for your crew of students and colleagues is no mean feat. But while it often feels like we as educators are carrying the weight of the world under seemingly constant judgment and critique, there is something to be said for finding and focusing on your metaphorical horizon amidst the storm and those rough seas. We're here today to talk to some folks who have done just that. They've firmly planted their nerd flag on solid ground, and with it, they found a source of positivity, renewed passion, and joy. Our intention with this series is to scan for the positive by talking to those who have found a bright spot in their practice that brings them joy, and share that joy by letting their and our nerd flags fly. So Don, thank you so much for being here with us today. We're so excited to not only get to know you better because we've seen you at conferences before, but also share you with our GLG listenership. Let's go ahead and start. Tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and then transition into our joy segment. I appreciate you inviting me on here. It was nice to see you at IdeaCon and and that. So my name is Don Sturm. I am a technology integration specialist slash instructional coach for the Morton School District in Central Illinois. This is my 30, I can't believe I'm saying that, 31st year in education. I was a high school social studies teacher, department head for 23 years, and this is the eighth year in this position, we're a one-to-one iPad district, so they hired me to basically help train teachers and students on technology. So that's me. It's kind of weird today. I figured out that I think I'm four years out from retirement. So it's it's weird to be in the twilight of my uh, of my career. Oh my goodness. So random odd connections, because this is what I like to do. I like to build connections with things. Are you by chance Morton Potters? We are. Yes, I love it. (laughs) My prom date from, you know, back in 2000 uh, was from Morton High School. So, And I'm assuming you're not going to say the name 
because chances are I probably had, had it a- as a student. <laughs> yes. The, it's funny when you said that I was like, if she says something about the potters, because people are like, what in the world? So we're known from years and years ago, the Morton Pottery Plant. The mascot is, his name is Clay. He literally, <laughs> I was going to ask. I will email you a picture of Clay that has a pot as a head. Um, Yes. I remember I seeing that because I drove down to visit him once with a friend of mine and we drove past the mural and I remember looking yeah. like, oh, okay, I come from a place where we have tigers and alligators and wolves. That's a choice. Yeah. <laughs> fully approved. Fully approved. So <laughs> just had to make that little connection there. So let's go ahead and kick it right off. Our first question for you, Don, is to you, joy is what? What does that word joy mean to you? To me, joy means doing something that, and I'm trying not to use a form of the word, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm thinking back to my third grade teacher who said you can't define Circular something. definition. Um, it's doing something that you like just for the sake of doing it. You don't have to do it. It's not a requirement. It brings something to you that makes you feel good. It, that's it's hard to define like when you yeah. gave me the question i was like like i know when i am joyful mm-hmm. but i don't know that i've ever really thought about the definition of joy but it's just it's doing things that you like just for the pleasure of doing them yeah especially when we're thinking about the the context of education too because you might think of personal joy versus learning joy versus professional joy it might look different in each of those contexts Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are things that bring me joy within my, you know, like I I love traveling, but it seems like a lot of things I like to do really are related to my job. And I know there's this whole debate. Is it a job? Is it a calling? Is it a career? Is it work? And I just view it as I'm glad I love doing it. I mean, yes, it's my job, but there's a lot of stuff within that that Brings me joy, which is good because I see so many people today that they're not seeing joy in what they do. And I don't know that we really know the whys behind that, but that's not what we're talking. I guess we're talking about the... (laughs) It actually is. That's That's the whole point of the series. Yeah. Right. Because so many of the people that I see, you can see the where on their faces. And so our hope with this series is to provide back a little bit of that happiness and joy that can come from our professional work. I can tell you what joy isn't in my mind. Joy is not going and just loving every minute of your job or your family. There are negative things about my job. There are times when I'm not really looking forward to whatever task it is I have to do. It's like when there's more joy than there is, it's this balance. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people expect a job has to be joyous all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just not, nothing is right. joyous all the time. It allows you to appreciate those positive moments more because you have balance between the struggle, the challenge, and those joyful moments. Mm-hmm. And speaking of those joyful moments in your professional life, let's kind of hone in on what the thing you're nerding out on right now. What is that thing in your work that's bringing you the most joy right now? I think it's the thing that's always brought me joy in my work. It is building connections with individuals. We could debate that whole idea of a calling. If there was any Mm -hmm. calling, that's what it is for me. It's to make connections 
with people, I think I build connections and relationships pretty well. And so that's what brings me joy, whether it's making a connection with a teacher that's been in the district that I've not made a connection with, and I'm walking the hallways and I strike up a conversation with them, or I go into a classroom and then when I walk through the hallways, it's like, hey, Mr. Sturm, that's what ultimately brings me the most joy is just that connection aspect, even beyond that connections on social media. And mm -hmm. I think one of the problems we have in society right now is we don't listen to each other. We don't see each other. We don't talk to each other. And that's just not natural. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we have to try mm -hmm. to build connections. Yeah. And Don, you are talking to three instructional coaches by trade. And so when you're talking about those connections, that is the root of everything we do. And that mm -hmm. relationship, if it's not there, then how do we do the higher level learning work that we yeah. need to do? Right. And so that goes into our next question then. So how did you or do you continue to grow your knowledge and skills in this particular thing, in these connections and relationships? <laughs> this was the question that I was not looking forward to. Uh -oh. <laughs> because, okay. Here's what I should say. Well, I read 14 books a week on how to build relationships. Like I think about my mother, who I love dearly, who talks a lot, but she always built connections and relationships with people. So I think some of it came naturally. I think the skill comes from just continuing to do it. What I've started to do from connections on Twitter, particularly, like I used to be one that would when I saw a former student, I would ask them, like usually the first thing out of my mouth, oh, where are you going to school? And mm -hmm. I've stopped doing that. Like I've learned, look, not everybody goes to school after high school. My first question to people when I see them is not, oh, how are your kids? They may not want to answer that question. Right. Their kids may not be all right, and I don't want to put them on the spot. And so I think it's just, to me, the knowledge and skill is realizing that if I'm going to ask them a question, I really want to know about them. If they want to mm -hmm. talk about their kids, they'll tell me about their kids. Or if they give me an in, I might be, oh yeah, how's so-and-so doing? But I don't just instantly go to that, oh, what are they doing? Yeah, It's doing more and more of it. And then learning what is, I don't know, what's appropriate to ask. And I feel like the older I get, the better I get at that. And it used to be, you know, that whole saying that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I don't agree with that because the older mm -hmm. I get, I think actually the better I get at trying to navigate those connection pieces with people. Yeah. Do you have, Don, a go-to question? You know what? I almost, I was like, I don't know if I should say that or not. My wife went through a spell where she was asking people, what's your story? Mm. And my wife is pretty reserved and introverted. And so I was really proud of her. And it was interesting, the comments she got from people. And so I started thinking about that. I don't know that I have a go-to, but I'm thinking as I come up to people, like it's always going through my head, like, what am I going to ask them? What am I going to ask them? And I will sometimes just say, hey, what's on your mind? Or what's been going well for you? But no, I don't have a go-to, but I thought about that. Yeah. Do yep. you have a go-to? Well, you're talking to three introverted ladies here. So I yeah. was totally ready. Like, okay, getting out my mental oh. notebook. <laughs> yeah. Mine would typically have to do with how long it's been since I've seen the person or how well I know the person that kind of gauges what the question is going to be. Now it's kind of like, so tell me about yourself or tell me about yourself in your classes mm -hmm. or 
tell me about you if they're kind of new to me so as someone starting in a new district this year for me that tends to be more my go-to with people I'm hitting up for the first time but if I've seen them recently it's kind of what's going on in your world or what's going on in your week leave it open-ended and leave the ball in their cart where they can hit me with them not much but I really want to talk about this or if they really want to go into something and open it up I'm all ears what I really like that you said Don was that you seem like you're weaving in an innate personality trait with the development Mm -hmm. of a skill And that is that idea of those new tricks, like you mentioned, thinking of questions and also your ability to read the room and know how society kind of evolves with what type of questions people are and aren't responsive to. I really like that you're marrying that with an existing outgoing personality and using that to make connections which make you happy. Well, and that that idea of reading the room, I think I'm pretty good at that. There are times where I have not been good at that. And my wife has informed me when we get in the car. (laughs) (laughs) You you didn't read that room very well. But normally I think I am fairly good at reading the room. That's why I think the stock question I don't know fits very well with my personality. You know, Don, what I really like about what you're saying there, there's two things that really stand out to me. The first one is this question originated with what are the knowledge or skills? And you're talking about strategies and one of them really is at the heart and the crux of instructional coaching and that is questioning and so to just Mm -hmm. have one good question isn't enough you just have to have a whole slew of them and then the other thing that I really like that you are mentioning is the ability to take those questions and put yourself in a posture that is in service of other people. So it's not really what do I want to know about you? It's about what do you want to tell? What are you willing to and able to share with me or with the room at this moment in time? And so that's a really selfless way of approaching people and makes them want to be talkative with you because you're being curious. It's funny because I say that, you know, heredity, where I am at today versus where I was at 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. much less judgment oriented. I mean, I'll just admit, you may not have known it, but I was making judgments Mm -hmm. about you. And now I just have lost that. And so it really is, it is about you. Mm -hmm. That's what this is about. And it's about what you feel comfortable with. It's not a matter of, I might be nosy as all get out. I may really want to know what you make. I may really want to know what made you go into that profession, but that's not for me to decide. If they choose to divulge that, that's great. So our next question that ties into this concept of joy. So you mentioned in our pre-conversation that you did some thinking earlier and noted you were in the twilight. You only had a couple of years where you could retire. If someone came to you and said, Don, we really want to see you at the district level. We really want to see you really helping us move us forward in another facet. And that relationship piece wasn't going to be as big of a role in your work, how would you cope or could you cope? If it was genuinely like, hey, you're going to sit in a room (laughs) and just look at data, I don't think I could cope. I would try to make it as relational as possible Mm -hmm. is ultimately what it would be. I am a social being, and I'll be honest with you, retiring scares the heck out of me. (laughs) When I left the classroom, I was like, am I going to, am I losing my identity as yeah. like everybody knew me as Mr. Sturm? And this is what that brought up to them. You know, this was the images that came to mind. And so I made sure to continue on building relationships. So I was still 
Mr. Sturm, or I was mm -hmm. to the teacher, I was Don, and I worked pre-K to 12. I don't know if I said that. So mm -hmm. I was a high school teacher, but <laughs> lots of funny stories about trying to teach kindergarten teachers oh, the first man. time. Yeah. I just, I worry about that because I am so much about connections and, and we have connections outside. It's not like I come home yeah. from oh, yeah. school and I just, my wife and I sit in the house like hobbits and not do anything. <laughs> you know, like I think about the interactions I've made on Twitter and so many of them are around education and I hope those can continue. So I guess ultimately to answer the question, if there was no chance of relationships, I don't think I could do it. I remember somebody saying, don't you long for those days when you just don't have to make a lot of decisions? And I'm like, I can't imagine that. Yeah. I just cannot imagine the joy would be sucked out of me if I couldn't have those relationships. Yeah, so it is a stake in the ground for you, and that's okay. Now, you've kind of already answered this in a few different aspects where you've talked about like questioning strategies, but what are some other practices that you've employed or things that you've done to really make the building and sustaining of these relationships a part of your regular work? Yeah, that, you know, that's a tough one, too. When I took this position, it was, here's your responsibility, but the position's new. Just run with it. And I think that that has just been my routine. Like there are days where I am in my office at the district office and I am doing those things that have to be done, whether it's being the Google admin or whether it's working with the filter, those kind of things. I don't yeah. enjoy that as much as I do the relationships. It's getting out. It's when I realize, okay, I sat all day in my office and I can tell I sit all day in my office because my Apple watch yeah. basically <laughs> has to keep telling me at 10 minutes till the hour that you need to stand up. <sighs> it's the next day. I'm like, I can't do that. So I'm going to just stop by this school on the way in. And then, you know what? I'm in that school. So why don't I go to this next school? I think I've just made that a regular part of my job. Now, a colleague and I, she is the high school instructional coach. And I co-taught with her a two-hour block of time. She was a lit teacher. was a history teacher. And she is now the instructional coach. And we work very closely. And we started to do a presentation for DitchCon. We were like, okay, we're going to do this presentation on how to be a transformational coach when nobody wants to be transformed. And we thought that was the funniest title <laughs> ever. But it was kind of serious. It's like, this is not the year that people want to be transformed. So right. we said, you know what? Let's go to get information. Let's go out and interview some teachers. So we interviewed 15 teachers in our district across buildings and grade levels. And we presented them with three questions. And the first question was, what do you do well? 13 of the 15, I'm not kidding you, they were like, hmm. They had to think and think yeah. and think. And, and they struggled with it. And my colleague and I were like, why is that? How can that be? And so that then transformed into a podcast that we've started. And that's how we make it a regular part. It's like, okay, we're trying to find out answers and maybe the best way of doing that and connecting with people is through a podcast that they can listen to at any time. They don't have to come at three o'clock in the afternoon mm -hmm. to do a PD. And mm -hmm. we're going to be recording episode three this week. I've been pleased with how teachers in our district and people outside 
of our district. And it started with that idea of relationships. So man, that was a long answer. No, because you know what, Don, our last question for you, it was a great segue into that. It was really about how do you share that joy with others? And you're talking about this other instructional coach and then building the capacity of other people around you, the DitchCon presentation or other conferences of that sort, as well as this podcast that you're building. So is there anything else that you'd like to mention along those lines in the context of sharing this joy with others? I don't know with the three of you or you have the same thought process. No disrespect to administrators. I knew I did not want to be an administrator. And I purposely didn't get my master's in administration because I didn't want that tug to be (laughs) there. And so I didn't do that. And then I was like, I'm always going to be a classroom teacher. And I got to a point where I was like, I have something to share Mm -hmm. with other teachers. And I think I need to start doing that. I never really thought about, oh, this is my way of sharing my joy, but that's really what it is. This is what I love to do. I don't have all the answers. I think I have some of the answers for some people at certain points in time, and that's what I do. And so like this podcast, it's called Through the Educational Looking Glass. Ooh, I like the title. (laughs) I have to give... Courtney, the credit for that. She's the ELA teacher. I was going to say, there's a literary reference there. Oh, That's yeah. an English oh, yeah. teacher we, all the way. Said, <laughs> well, and she said, what about this through the looking glass? And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I love that idea. And it's a way of us trying to connect with people. This episode we're going to record is on teacher vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And we sent a Google form out. It's crazy the number of responses we've got. How comfortable are you with being vulnerable with kids? How comfortable are you being vulnerable with your colleagues? And that's what we're building the episode around. So we go out and do a little bit of research, but it's more that connecting and bringing those people in. And the responses we've gotten are just amazing. And I'm really excited about this one because some of the things that people said, like, oh, I have no problem being vulnerable with kids, but man, adults, they're tough. Mm. And ultimately what we're going to try to do with this is to get teachers to think about, do you keep people from being vulnerable with you? Mm-hmm. And that self-reflection. This podcast has been really fun. I do another one with a friend of mine. It's a political podcast. Ooh. And it's that same thing. I was his campaign manager. He ran for Congress and he lost. And when he got done, he's like, are, are we done trying to change things? And we were both in agreement that we're not done trying to change things. So how do we do that? Let's make a podcast that teachers, like it's called For a Better Tomorrow. It's political, but like we did an episode on gerrymandering that I know teachers mm. were using in their classroom. It's not explicit. <laughs> it, we marked it as a non-explicit podcast. Yeah, I mean, I think those are the ways that I try to share that joy with others. I appreciate you all getting me to think about it this way because I would have never said, oh, I do those things because it's what brings joy to me. But it really is. If it didn't, why in the world would you do it? What would be the purpose in that? What I want to point out is based on the number of responses that you are getting from these various projects, you can tell the difference in the impact that your ability to live that light, to live that ability to have these great relationships with people, they wouldn't be responding in this way if you didn't project that this is something that is really meaningful to you. And I remember one person in our district sort of said that. I think everybody knows that. And it's it's funny that vulnerability 
how vulnerable we are being yeah. in doing a podcast. I mean, I have friends, and I love them dearly. I guarantee you they're making fun of me behind my back. <laughs> I mean, I guarantee you. You have to learn I to do, laugh. I would, yes. Yep. And it's like, you know what? This is what we need, and this is what maybe you don't need it. And that's where I've become. If I love the people I work with. The junior high instructional coach, love her to death. She is one that she questions, is what we're doing effective? And I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. But I think sometimes she's too hard on that impact and who's an mm -hmm. impact. I'm like, you know what? I'm to the point now where if we impact five people, mm -hmm. that's five people that weren't impacted before. When I got into this job and, you know, you ran a PD session and like two people showed up, show up and you're like, oh. And now it doesn't, I mean, I can't, I'm lying if I say it doesn't bother me. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is that element of, oh, well, you know, that's, but then I started looking at it, I'm like, hey, if those two people take something away, then those people talk to who knows why they can't come. That's the other, going yeah. back yeah. to that judgment. I was always like, oh, those people aren't showing up because they don't care. That is garbage. There are some that aren't showing up because they don't necessarily care, but they have childcare issues. They had the doctor's appointment. They had a dentist appointment. They had whatever it is. If those two people that came to that training get something and they talk to their grade level team and they get something, that's what this is all about. And that's how you make positive changes is little bits at a time. There's something I want to touch on there too, Don, on all of this. And yes, I know we're biased, but that's what we love about podcasts because people can come to it in their time so when we do things that are synchronous or those presentations where two people show up you put in all of this effort and if we don't have it documented somehow then that could just get lost in the universe whereas where we have stuff like this people can come to it in their own time and it's an awesome medium for us to be able to share with educators in this way so that when they come to it they're ready they're ready to learn yep all right, ready for a couple of little personal, fun, goofy questions. So what is something that others, Don, might find boring, but fills you up, gives you energy, apart from the relationships? It's funny because I am interested in all kinds. I'm just a curious person by nature, <laughs> but probably, like, I love the history of bourbon. <laughs> all right. It's not just people who are like, oh, you like to drink bourbon. I mean, I do, but I love the craft of it, and I can talk about it. And The different you know, barrels my, they come in. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. My wife and I go to the distilleries yep. on the bourbon trail, Ooh. and when they ask the question, what does it take to get bourbon? I mean, I'm like, I know, raising I know. my hand, <laughs> and, you know, and it's like, my wife is like, you know, put your hand down. You already know the answer. Those kinds of things probably most people are not that interested in. I love to smoke meat. And so talking about the different cuts of meat and so forth, I enjoy that. Most people would probably not be interested in that. I'm so interested in that. I'm Own like, it. what's your best one? What do you what do you smoke the best? Probably a, a pork butt. Yeah. And I love saying that because it has nothing to do with pork. It has nothing to do with a butt. It's the shoulder. My wife is a huge pulled pork fan. Don, so. you will appreciate then, Emily, your story about how you oh, knew yeah. you loved your husband. I decided to to marry my husband because he made good smoked pork butt. That was one of the oh, deciding yeah. factors. He really changed the game on how I considered 4th of July barbecue food to look. Oh, it yeah. looks like 12 plus hours getting up at 6 in the morning to get that meat rubbed and on the grill smoking. It's just like, yep, and there's little wood chips and wet mopping and everything. Like, yep, I, that's... 
Love that sort of thing. So what we could take away from that is if there's ever like something to the effect of a annual GLG barbecue, we're inviting Don and we know what he's yes. bringing. I, <laughs> I would love that. Love it. Love it. And then what are you deeply grateful for right now? And this could be in your work or just in your personal life. The corned beef that he <laughs> said he had for dinner tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I think just having a wife who rolls her eyes a lot of times at stuff that I do, but lets me do it. Like when I told her, not that I was scared, but I'm like, they record this podcast at 8.30 at night on a Saturday. I know. Like we're usually out at 8.30 <laughs> on a Saturday. And so I told my wife, I was like, so I got asked to do this podcast. It's 8.30, 9.30. And she was like, oh, Okay. So I think just being grateful that I am married to somebody who is, we are not alike in so many ways, but she lets me do those things that I enjoy. Well, please let her know we're very, very grateful that that you <laughs> yeah. gave up your Saturday night in order to spend some time with us. And if we could just ask for a little bit more of that time, it is tradition here on the Grounded Learners Guild that we always end our episodes with a game. So these particular games actually come from either things that either we find extremely joyful or things that our family find extremely joyful. So we're playing a first game, Fact or Fiction, and my oldest, who will be five this coming week, he loves dinosaurs, so he would love this and know the answer. So Fact or Fiction, the chicken and the crocodile are the two living things today that are most similar to a T-Rex? I would say that's fact. I was going to say fiction, and I'm going to throw a turkey in the mix because they're meaner. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say fiction, and I was thinking some kind of bird. Maybe, you know, like chicken's pretty close, but I think it's something other than chicken. Crocodile is actually the incorrect piece of that. So it oh, is chicken oh, and okay. ostrich are the most similar organisms to the T-Rex that still live today. Interesting. Now, if learn. you're talking crocodile, Connor would tell you the Spinosaurus has the crocodile face. <laughs> so still connected, but not to the T-Rex. Okay. <laughs> you can see where Casey's uh, been living her life. <laughs> Five's a good age. Yep. yep. When oh. kids, when they like something, you're going to hear about oh, it yeah. and you're going to learn about in. it. Just, mm -hmm. you will. So this next one is also a fact or fiction. And this, Jenny, you have outed yourself before that you are a car karaoke queen. So fact or fiction, singing in a group boosts morale. You know, I think I read something on this like a year ago. And I'm going to say that that is fact. Like, I remember something about choirs, like some scientist doing some work with choirs, but I'm going to say fact. Emily? I'm also going to say fact because I think I might have read that same thing. <laughs> Jenny? <laughs> I think singing in a group does boost morale. So fact, I'm just thinking of all those like church choirs, like Don just said, how they're jamming and in a really good mood. Ding, ding. You all got it correct. It is fact. Now, somebody needs to tell middle school me what happens to you psychologically for your morale when you're mouthing the words to a song while everyone around you is singing it. <laughs> <laughs> this last question is a high or a low. So you let us know if you think this is too high or too low of a number. Although this 
particular one is not based off of a joyous experience. We've had an episode on neurodivergent learners, aka Emily, oftentimes finds she has to spend a lot of time looking for things. Yes. So the not average my person passion, though. Spends, no, not my passion. No. <laughs> So the average person spends five days in their lifetime looking for lost things. Is that high or low? That is not even, like, that's way low. That has to be. I think I've known people who have spent five days in a year <laughs> looking for things. So I, I'm going to say that's like, can you say way low? It's funny, I wouldn't have a guess, but that to me seems really low. I'm going to jump in here and just say... Don is correct because he is actually spot on. The time frame is five days in a year, a given oh, year, looking for things. Wow. Yeah. So what, well, because honestly, when I read that, my first thought was, like, I'm a huge Apple fan. There'd be no reason to have those little tracker things. Right. If it was five days in a lifetime, who would care? It would have to be more than that. Yep. Well, I would say that Carl Castle rules from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, right? You got two out of the three correct. So congratulations. You win nothing because we don't have anything to <laughs> we have no Okay, I was like excited. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'll send you a sticker. <laughs> would love that. <laughs> All right, so Don, I know you mentioned the name of your one of your podcasts before and your other one as well, but would you be up for sharing your social media and any other current or upcoming work or quick reminder of those things for our listenership to get connected with you, build some new connections? Sure, would love that. On Twitter, I am at SturmDon, S-T-U-R-M-D-O-N. And again, the two podcasts that I do are the Through the Educational Looking Glass and for a better tomorrow you can find that on any of your favorite podcasts we've got them on a number of things apple podcast and so forth and upcoming work lately on twitter i ask questions every day it's to continue building connections and then we see where that goes yep can't wait to see where that takes you next and i hope it's bringing you joy at every turn thanks again for joining us don yeah, oh, you're thank welcome. you, thank so you much. very much for the invite our pleasure taste of what's coming up on the Grounded Learners Guild in the wake of this, keep an eye out for additional guests and additional iterations of the Talk Nerdy to Me series. We can't wait to pick a few more brains and find out what's bringing people joy in their practice. So stick around. And that's it for this episode of the Grounded Learners Guild. Many thanks to you for choosing to engage with our guild's content as we passionately continue to advocate for adult learners with transparent conversations about the world of education, impactful leadership, and the power of high-functioning teaming. If you'd like to connect with the Guild, the power of the PLN continues. You can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com, and on Twitter, at GroundedLGuild, at CVeacher, at TechCoachM, and at Jenny Labrie, using the hashtag GLGPodChat. Feedback is a powerful tool that allows us to be responsive to the topics that matter to you most. If you haven't yet already, or if you're finding us for the first time, how about leaving us a review? It helps us to improve our work, allows us to bring you quality and customized content, and assist others in finding our guild as well. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream. Thanks again for joining us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, in today's episode of the Grounded Learners Guild. See you at the next guild meeting. And in the meantime, do your best to stay grounded. <laughs>